Hello there, and welcome to another great episode of Unstoppable Rise, a resource that helps motivated individuals take massive advantage of this very complex world we live in using a combination of old school wisdom and new breed tactics. My name is Sim, and I'll be your host. And if you're just tuning in, and if you're just listening for the first time, this is the first of these audio blogs you're listening to, I'd like to welcome you, and I'd like to thank you for listening. And I hope that this discussion adds some value to your day, and hopefully to your life, and helps you think about things in a new way. So, this is the first iteration of the audio blogs since... I took a little break for summer, and it is now the end of summer. Summer is over, boo-hoo, and I am willing to get back into the swing of things, and I hope you are too, and I know you are, because everyone's mindset is getting more serious as the days start to get shorter and start to get colder, at least here in the Northern Hemisphere. So... I'm willing to get back into it, and if you're willing to get back into it, let's both get back into it, and we're going to start with today's topic. So today's topic is very nuanced, and it links back to much of the other topics that I've already discussed on here or on the site. You know, this topic relates to motivation, it relates to habits, it relates to addictions, which I just talked about. It relates to resource allocation. It relates to your self-image. It relates to negative motivation, which I've also talked about. And it even relates to your finances. And I think if you want to examine what success means in your life, this topic is worth taking a deeper look at. And this topic is what I call red herrings. And they can also be known as false positives, false positives, or um, simply put, distractions. But I think the word distractions does not fully grasp the potential of devastation these things can have on your life when you have no real control over them. Now, if you've ever heard the saying that something is a red herring or they put a red herring in an argument, it basically means that it's a means of distracting whoever is seeing or hearing or observing the red herring. Uh, It's a distraction from the underlying issue or problem that needs to be solved or needs to be addressed. So for me, in this context, a red herring is something that congratulates you for accomplishment without actually moving the needle for accomplishment. And, you know, I don't think that there's anything really wrong with distractions or red herrings, but I do think that it is very possible to build a lifestyle centered exclusively around red herrings. And you can think of it as sugar uh, without the substance. So taken as a whole, you know, these are things that really prevent you from plugging into life and experiencing it in its fullness and its unadulterated nature. So some examples or an example I can think of off the top of my head 
Video games. You feel like you're leveling up and doing something, but all you're doing really is achieving things in the game and not in real life. And I know the potential and power and allure of video games because in my adolescence, I used to be an avid gamer. Another one would be corporate culture. I think in corporate America, uh, just in general, there's a lot of meetings that are held for the sake of holding meetings, but nothing is actually being accomplished. And this convention is actually parodied in a lot of movies. And I think there was a study done by just an anonymous staffing firm that looked at the time spent actually working and producing value and being spent on high-value activities at the workplace, and the ratio was pathetically and laughably uh, low in comparison to water cooler-type chatter and just things that don't really help the company and organization move forward. And I think in general, uh, they said that for America, at least, productivity is at an all-time low, and there are millions and millions of dollars of productivity lost each year just because people are contributing to activities that make it seem like they're moving the needle, but they're actually not at all. But uh, I think that's another subject. Um, another example would be something like internet browsing. I think internet browsing is a key uh example of this, a key scapegoat of this. So you're searching and searching and searching on the internet for things without a real objective purpose. You may read some Inc. magazine articles if you've heard of Inc. Some entrepreneur media articles talking about uh, entrepreneurship and what you need to be to start your own business and be an entrepreneur and all that jazz. Uh, Some articles on Forbes business insider. So, you know, articles that aren't necessarily trash per se. So you're getting educational content out of it, maybe. And a couple hours goes by and you end up logging off feeling like you actually did something like you actually progressed in your life. But in reality, nothing was done. You just absorbed information, which can be useful in certain times. And in other times, That's the last thing you need to be doing. Another good scapegoat is political news, politics. When you talk about clickbait and stories that have a various degree of spin, I think politics is an easy example intended to get you spiked and hooked on emotional-based news for hours and days and just get you roiling in anger and anxiety and take the focus off of your own life and project it onto some, you know, fantasy convention and prevents you from really thinking about things that need to be done in your life, in your community, and how you can actually affect real change. And you're directing all that attention at some obscure figure in politics who did something and may have triggered you or triggered someone else. Um, So what else? You know, uh, binging on Netflix, easy one, scrolling on Instagram, compulsively checking your phone, uh, junk food, uh, you know, weed, alcohol. The list really goes on, to be honest. 
And like I said, I think most of these are relatively harmless, especially if you have solid lifestyle habits in place. But many of them can really weigh you down when they're added up as a composite. And if you're waiting for a time when you'll just grow up and stop playing so many video games, stop using social media so much, stop wasting time on the internet at work, and start doing productive things, you know, there's a good chance it may never, it, it, it may just never happen. Because I think that our red herrings in society have really outpaced our socialization in terms of creating productivity and creating a productive-oriented mindset. There's just so much novelty and so much escapism out there that it's very possible to hit a point in your life where you realize you haven't done anything of any real consequence. You haven't developed any real skills. You haven't made any tangible social connections. You haven't had a good number of beneficial life experiences. You haven't really pushed yourself in this one short life we have um, to really experience the vast world out there. And by the time you wake up, you can see that 30, 40, 50 years have passed by and they aren't coming back. So I believe your ability to achieve a successful life will largely be determinant on how unwilling you are to resort to escapism and avoidance when things really get rough. And while a lot of life is subjective in terms of success, I do think there are some universal principles that apply to most people, mainly what it means to live a life where you're fulfilled and happy. Um, if you define success by some arbitrary metric, um, you know, talking about money, having $10 million in the bank, uh, having a hot wife or a model husband, um, you know, two kids, uh, two cars, you know, just the standard American white picket fence lifestyle. Most people who are and have existed and are existing um, are stunning failures. But when you define success by what it means to be fulfilled and not just achieve, you really come up with something that casts a wide net and really compensate for cultural and philosophical differences. So something like fulfilling work where you feel a sense of self-efficacy and you feel a sense of autonomy and you feel like you're actually contributing to something and you're actually growing in that work. Uh, social connections, so having enriching social connections, whether that be close friendships or just being involved in your community. Uh, some level of self-efficacy and autonomy, like I said, but in this time in terms of finances and lifestyle, so being at the cause rather than the effect, and even meaningful spiritual connection and feeling like you're contributing and connecting to something larger than yourself. And I don't think it's possible to be a holistic and happy human being without feeling as if you're pragmatic and proactive in some way in the world. And until I meet someone who goes against that, my assertion still stands. I haven't met anyone who feels as if they're at the mercy of life and they're a victim rather than a victor. And they feel like they can't affect any change and they feel like they have no control over anything and they're not connected to anything or anyone. 
I haven't met anyone who fits that definition who I would consider a happy and holistic individual. But like I said, I'm pretty sure there's people out there like that. I just have not met them. Um, so yeah. Um, and I view that red herrings really ultimately blindfold you to the goodness of life and they mask the level of effort and lifestyle that's required to achieve certain things. And when used as a crutch, they annihilate your ability to make a long-term consistent effort in a certain direction. And like I said, I don't believe there's a one-size-fits-all type of success. But I do believe there are some pieces that if you have them in place, you will be considered a success by most people you come across or someone who, quote-unquote, has their shit together. And like I said before, uh, that involves like productive employment. Um, if you're a kid, you're in school. If you're an adult, you're working at some type of job or in your own business. Uh, you're probably in some type of romantic relationship or you're improving in the area of relationships with various people. Um, being able to have some degree of social intelligence, being having a drive to improve yourself in some capacity, uh, so some sort of self-improvement, even if you're not really a self-improvement junkie probably having a hobby or set of hobbies you care about um, and having some level of self-motivation so you're able to do what needs to be done without external looming threat pushing you. You know, if your apartment or house needs to be cleaned, you fucking clean it. If you decide you want to travel to a foreign country, you do it. If you decide you want to learn a skill, you just do it. You don't need someone just cracking the whip on you every time to get simple shit done. Um, and I think that is going to be the bow on the package that is known as success. Someone who's really a lie, uh, or sorry, an asset to people instead of a liability and people aren't depending on you or you're not depending on other people majorly for your survival. You just don't drain people of resources. Um, and I think that's a big, big thing to, uh, realize when it comes to lifestyle just being able to be self-sustaining in some fashion. And I believe that also relates to finances, which I will mention in a little bit. So, you know, having all of this, uh, I think relates to goals. High-level, top-down goals will inform your actions and your lifestyle. It will inform the system you need to put in place to make that goal or those goals a reality. If you've been following me for some time, you know that I like clarity. And many people will not admit it, but most people like ambiguity, especially when it comes to energy-intensive activities like work or physical fitness. Anyone can say they, quote-unquote, go to the gym or, quote-unquote, work 10 hours a day. But the deeper question becomes, what are you doing at the gym? What are you doing at work? And like I said, there was a study done that monitored people at work and they saw that most of them were not being productive some or even a majority of the time. So you feel as if you're getting up and achieving something and getting momentum when you do these things. But as you go deeper into this type of activity, you start to confuse quote unquote showing up with participating. So as an aside real quick, for me, one of my goals is to hit 3K in monthly revenue 
in one of the businesses that I run. And this is just a standard uh, e-commerce business. And right now I'm not hitting 3K. So it's pretty obvious that I'm gonna to need to structure my time in a way that'll help me achieve that goal because I'm gonna to need to structure, uh, complete a system that'll help achieve that goal. Regardless, you know, this goal is only a target to aim at, but, and I might, I may never even, I may not even achieve it, but I'll never even come close to the goal uh, if my day-to-day -day actions don't aim at it. So that's the first danger of red herrings is that they confuse the work needed that needs to be put in. The second danger of red herrings is that they can really shatter you financially. And yes, I'm talking about finances. I've talked about finances before and I'll talk about them again because everything you do in life will have some sort of financial underpinning. So this is really important to understand. You know, you may be buying a house, buying a car, buying clothes, buying new gadgets, buying food, going out to dinner, going out to the movies, taking a vacation, whatever. Your goals will involve money at some level. And your lifestyle will largely be determined by the amount of free cash at your disposal. So I'm going to veer off the path a little bit and talk about the different levels of finances. And you'll see how I connect this to red herrings. Um, so depending on who you ask, there's three or seven or even eight or how many other levels of financial independence um, or finances just in general. But they all follow the basic framework. And I'll attach a resource to this audio so you can check it out yourself and come to your own conclusion. But I think they all follow basic guidelines. So the first level is we all start off financially dependent. We all depend on our parents for food, shelter, clothing, and basic necessities when we were growing up. You know, for most of us, especially most of us before the pre-web 2.0 era, so before 2010, really, we had zero ability, really, to make money um, on the internet um, for a majority of our childhood. And we had to go and get jobs. So we had to go and get a job. My first job was when I was 16. And before then, I had no way of making money except being like a paper boy and doing paper routes. But now you hear about 13 year old 14 year old entrepreneurs and people starting their own businesses when they're teens and they're they're not they have to get their parents to sign legal documents that was not the case uh when i was growing up so this still is the case for many people today so this is obviously the opposite of financial independence financial dependence then you move to the next stage which is financial solvency you are working and you have a job and this is a stage where you're able to meet your bills efficiently. You're able to pay all your bills off, uh, mostly in full every month. The next stage after that is financial stability where you're able to keep your expenses down, pay off whatever debt you have and maybe start saving some money. So you climb this ladder all the way to financial abundance where you have so much money left over at the end of the month that you can really use that money to make more money and give back to your community and your friends and whoever in a big, big way. Uh, so again, why do I mention this? 
when you use red herrings consistently, you can kiss any notion of financial independence goodbye. You are basically stuck in survival, living paycheck to paycheck. You'll be one of those people who hopes to win big on the lotto or hopes to get hit by a car or something so you can just collect a big settlement. Forget starting or giving to a charity. Forget helping your family. Forget being generous with your friends. Forget investing in businesses. Forget any protective activities you can do with your money. Your only goal will be survival. And one way to escape financial survival is to develop a skill or business or product that someone will pay you for. Developing a marketable skill obviously takes a ton of time and effort and indulging in red herrings does not help you in any way for developing that skill. Third, and I think this is most important, is that they make you a spectator in your own life. It's easy to lie to others, but it's harder harder to lie to yourself. You put on the show and mask for other people that you're, you're reading books, you're going to the gym, you're traveling, you're doing this, that, and the other, but you know the real lifestyle you live. You know the real you. You can't hide from who you are. Who cares if you get 100 likes on a social media post or you have 10,000 followers on whatever social media platform when you don't even have a single friend you can really call on when things get rough? Why does it matter if you have this badass character in a game like Fortnite or whatever game is out there, but you're underperforming in your career and you have no money? Does it really matter that you've seen the entire season of a certain football team, but you pretty much get no benefit out of it other than saying, my team won the Super Bowl. You feel like we won, we won, we won, we're winners, we won, we won. But in reality, they won. You know, the people on the football team won. They won the Super Bowl. They won the millions of dollars. They won the fame and adoration. They won the glory. You just get the egoic satisfaction that your team won the Super Bowl. And having these things stand in for actual substantive things in life are piss poor substitutes. You know, They don't hold a candle to the extreme fulfillment you can get out of other activities. And I'm not saying you can't use social media. I'm not saying you can't play video games or watch football. Some people just take this to an extreme saying, oh, you want to be an extremist and you never want to watch a football game or go on social media or whatever. Um, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that if you're in a state of survival, like I mentioned earlier, or things in your life aren't going the way you want them to, and there's things you can do to fix them, you have no business spending a good amount of your time on these activities. And I'm asking you to have good self-awareness and to see if you're not using it to avoid negative emotions. So I would say... Most people have a main overarching goal of living a life with little or no regrets. And I think that's a good goal. I think that's a good meta goal to structure life around. And that involves the things I mentioned earlier, you know, um, involving 
a life of dynamic social connections, good family life, good work life, good fulfilling romantic life, experiences, all that, you know, all that stuff is great. It's good. You know, all that stuff is really basic in terms of thinking about what you want for your life. And I think most people would want to say they gave more than they took. Um, so if most people have this goal, you know, even unconsciously, then why do red herrings stop most people from achieving it? And I believe, and I may be wrong, but in my personal opinion, I believe it is conformity. Now, I'm not one of those guys who says, oh, uh, you need to be a nonconformist to live the life of your dreams. No. Um, I believe a good bit of conformity is good. I think it's good that everyone wears clothes. I think it's good that everyone knows how money works, uh, even to a basic degree. And it's good that most people, or yeah, most people, not everyone, knows how to read at a basic level. And that's conforming to the norm. But when it comes to lifestyle on a granular level, everyone will have slightly different variations on their needs. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. But I'm talking about mindless conformity. I'm talking about the type of conformity where it's okay to eat a certain type of food because everyone else is eating it. It's okay to slack off because everyone else is doing it. It's okay to do this because everyone else is doing it. You can just do this and do that and do whatever because everyone else in the crowd is doing it. They're living for the weekend, pointing the finger at other people for certain things, engaging in drama, gossip, rolling in negative emotions for hours, days, even weeks. These are things that a large amount of people do. And conforming to the group makes your decision-making effortless because you offload it to the group. And I want you to think about the times when you were in college, if you went to college. When you went out to a bar, especially a college bar, ask yourself, how many people actually want to be there? I'm sure that some people do indeed want to be there, but I'd wager that most people do not. Most people did not. Most people would rather be somewhere else doing something else. I remember there was this one time in college when I went to a bar and I was talking to a girl, stunning girl, and then I was asking her if she was having fun and she said, no, not really. I'm just here because my friends are here and I just want to hang out. So a lot of people just do things to fit in and please other people and avoid the void of negative emotions, which you will encounter if you don't go the path that a lot of people are going going after. And that's also pretty much why I didn't believe in binge drinking in college, because I knew that if most people had the choice, they would not do it. And I also realized that didn't help me achieve my higher level goals. Um, so this goal to conform, this need to conform comes from two places, I believe, biological and socialization. So from an evolutionary perspective, uh, your limbic brain, your limbic system is wants to conform because blending in is a lot better than standing out. In any herd or tribe, the more you stand out, the more likely you are to get killed and no one wants to get cut down. Uh, if you ever heard of tall poppy syndrome, that's what that is. 
And secondly, a lot of people have been socialized to conform by their parents' school. And your parents may have shamed you from an early age into being like everyone else. And they may have punished you or even withheld love from you if you didn't act like everyone else. So you are socialized into being a carbon copy of everyone else. And also, most people just aren't into self-improvement as a concept. Some people will say it's too try-hard, you know, it's too hardcore, or for some people it may just be plain boring. Most people just want to really enjoy life, which I definitely think should be done. Um, so most people aren't going to be doing the things that consciously improve yourself. Um, but for conformity, the punchline is we live in a society where doing what everyone else does is punished because when it comes to extracting the nectar from life, we live in a society with so much variation, so much diversity, so much nuance that living the average lifestyle of work, come home, consume, repeat, just doesn't work anymore. You know, it's not like 50 years ago when you had 10 career paths open to you and you just clocked in at 8.30 or 9 and you went home at 5 and you didn't take any work home or whatever. And it was just strict work-life balance. 50 years ago, that's what it was. But now there's so much um, blending in. There's so much. Um, it's like everything is becoming one thing. And now there's like a thousand different career paths compared to 10 that someone can enter into and mold into their unique selling point. There are spaces open for people who are willing to learn things they didn't or they couldn't in school. It's not like you can, today, it's not like you can just, you know, go to undergrad and come out with a degree in physics and expect to be a-okay. Well, you might, but um, some liberal arts degrees, you can't just do that anymore. And Obviously, that's the case because there's a trillion dollar plus student loan crisis that's going on and people are just losing their shit because they're getting into careers they didn't go to school for. Um, so our world is changing so much that you'll have to most likely change your career multiple times and engage in some form of outside learning, which uh, many people do not do. So... I spent a good amount of my adult life involved in and aware of self-development in life and work. <sighs> I've been building the foundation for my life to come for, you know, for years. Uh, countless hours of reading, countless hours of studying, networking, success, failure, sleepless nights, anxiety, um, all kinds of swirls of emotions um, when it comes to asking yourself, am I on the right path? Especially when you're so young. Um, learning fields that I was taught nothing about. I had to learn e-commerce, display advertising, business development, web dev from, from scratch. I didn't, I didn't major in comp sci. I didn't major in marketing or business or any of those. I wasn't, so I wasn't exposed to any of these things. I had to learn these myself. I had to go into an apprenticeship by myself, pretty much. 
you know, I spent years working for less pay than I should have just to gain experience from the top people in specific field, asking them questions, seeing their perspective on different things, seeing how they handle different situations. And these were in all hands on deck, boiler room, startup type environments, just so I could learn and gain more experience because I had the mentality that I'm going to gather my chips and cash them in when the time is right. So um, learning important life skills, learning how to work out, learning how to eat right, guarding my time, protecting my focus, learning about social intelligence, learning about the psychology of the mind and achievement, learning about just how to live a productive and prosperous life and something that would allow me to live life on my terms more or less even if it's not today but sometime in the future i had the hope for that you know trying out different business ideas succeeding failing spending a large chunk of my time in a crunch oriented work mode you know saying no to a lot of different things just so i could push myself to use this vessel use this machine of body and brain to hone it to become a weapon and it's only now that i'm seeing the results of those efforts it's only now that i'm seeing you know some of the businesses that i started pick up it's only now that i'm getting my financials to a really solid place and seeing the projections of where that's going to head just because i was willing to put in the work and you know this was at a time when self-development or lifestyle design wasn't as big as it is now this was you know over eight years ago 10 if you count when i started doing extracurricular stuff and messing around in things like wordpress and just starting a blog and putting my ideas online like i'm doing now you know, there were no social media influencers. I didn't have anyone in my life encouraging me to stretch beyond the average of go to school and get a job. No one was coming to help me. I had to hard scrabble the pieces together. I had to figure out some sort of framework. And during that time, like I said, I had to focus in and realize that I had to s s uh, sift out a lot of the bullshit that was just filtering into my life. Um, so if I spent a lot of my time on things that had style but no substance, it would have been game over for me. You know, the life track I was on by default had nothing but stagnation and mediocrity and a world of unhappiness for how I envisioned myself to be. But it, because of what I've done in the past, it's only now that I can downshift a little and really enjoy life. Uh, so earlier in September, uh, late September, early, uh, sorry, late August, early September, I spent some time in Portland, Maine with some friends and it was amazing. I had an amazing time. I didn't have a care in the world. I was able to you know, just enjoy. And I was able to be generous with my time and with 
my money on my friends because I decide to focus on the important rather than the extra. And, you know, this is not about me. The reason why I don't talk much about myself in these episodes is because these episodes are not about me. You know, Unstoppable Rise is not about me. But I want to bring this up to state this is what it takes. You know, this is the price for entry. If you want to have options, if you want to have control of your life, if you want to have a good future in the long term, this is what it's going to take. So after listening to this, you may realize you need to drastically alter the way you're living, or you may see that there are certain blockages that really prevent you from getting to the next level. You may see that you're wasting some free time or some extra what I call bleed out time that you could be using on higher value activities that could uh, move the needle forward in your life. Like if you took out an hour of TV and you put it on an hour of learning an extra skill or a hobby and you did that for let's say a month or three months, you may realize that you're going to be in a better place to get a better job and alter the trajectory of your life and the life of your family and immediate environment. There's so many things that can open up when you start really pushing your time towards higher value activities. So if you realize that you may need to change some things, um, you know, some of these are worth considering. So I would say the first is you need to admit to yourself that work needs to be done. Whether you like it or not, your brain has been rewired to a certain low ebb of focus, concentration, motivation, and emotional fixation. And wiring it to be, like I, like I said, a weapon is going to take some work. Your ability to deal with emotional arousal, what I call emotional arousal, and negative emotions has been atrophied because you've been substituting dealing with those problems. Um, You've been substituting red herrings for dealing with those problems. So you're going to have to get clarity on what's really important to you and what you want to achieve in the short window we have uh, that is life. You're going to have to establish some higher goals that will feed into your lifestyle. You may have created an entire life paradigm based solely on escapism. Your avoidance mechanisms are like a giant ball of yarn. So it's not going to be as simple as just getting rid of Netflix or stop using a particular substance to cope with crippling emotions like fear or anxiety. It will also take the creation of something else. You know, we all have problems of varying degrees in our lives. I have problems. You have problems. No one is exempt from having problems. No one is special in that regard. We all have problems. And for many of us, there are things in our lives that we can take away pretty easily. And there are just things in our lives that should absolutely not be there. There are certain things in our lives that should be unacceptable to be there. Yet, 
we keep allowing them to be there and we keep putting them off and putting them off and putting them off because we're so satisfied with the satiation that lower value activities get us. Um, so when you all you eat is junk food, you're not going to be hungry in any way, shape or form to go to the grocery store and get real food. And I mean that physically and metaphorically. So, you know, you need to really feel the negativity around that behavior or else you're not going to remove it from your life. And you know it's not going to help you with this. Books, articles, tips, techniques. These things are more than often not a stand-in for what actually needs to be done. You know, books, articles, tips, all that stuff, those are for people who are at a developmental roadblock and need to get to the next level. You often don't need more information. You often need more engagement. Um, so as an aside, I know someone who got the book The Intelligent Investor by Benjamin Graham when he hasn't even put a cent into his 401k investment account. And I asked him, why did you get this book? And he said, because it was recommended by Warren Buffett. Warren Buffett only recommended that to people who are deep in the investing game, not someone who's not even on the field. So I think he would be better off by getting a book like Personal Finance for Dummies or even just sitting down and putting together a budget or just starting to elect a contribution into his 401k. Any of these would be better moves than what he did to just compensate for the fact that he's not taking action. Um, so secondly, ask yourself what you're using these distractions to compensate for in your life. If you're over the age of 25, chances are, and the chances are very high, that you're using these things to compensate for deeper issues. This just isn't a way to get some quick stimulation because after 25, your ego, your sense of who you are has been crystallized into this thought structure known as your self-image. And it's easy to identify your self-image as quote unquote who you are but your self-image is not who you are at the core and that's something a lot deeper than this topic but in order to avoid who you are quote unquote who you are use things like red herrings so for me when I used to distract myself with low-hanging fruit it was mainly because I was trying to avoid some very strong emotions that need to be processed and part of this processing part had to come with confronting some shadows in my past. And part of this processing is accepting them and allowing yourself to feel whatever emotion comes up. Allow yourself to actually feel it. And then once you feel it and you realize it's not that bad, it's really not that bad to feel a bad emotion because you'll feel it and then I guarantee it'll go away. It may be in five minutes, it may be in five days, but eventually that emotion will subside and then you can start to realize and start to process what triggered that emotion. And I know this sounds counterintuitive, but I think it's worth following your pain. I've talked about this in an audio on negative motivation, but your pain is a message. Most of the things you want to do in life lie the other side of some sort of pain. Um, and I talked about this on Quora as well. So I'll link that Quora answer that I had 
uh, in relation to pain. So you can check that out and see if you agree with it or not. So I would also ask, third, what is your program? What's your mission? What's your end game? Are your actions leading you towards that end? And this is what keeps me away from a lot of low-hanging fruit and low-value activities. You know, I have money to make. I have a business to run. I have connections to build. I have skills to build. I have work to do. I have life to live. And if I were to go back at 19 or 20 years old, I would just ask myself, are you on mission? Is this leading you towards the ideal self you have in your mind's eye? Or is this leading you towards the end goal of everything, which is self-actualization, the high point of human achievement? Um, and then, of course, you're going to need clarity. I've said it before and I'll say it again. Your goals will inform your lifestyle. And having your lifestyle point in one direction and your goals point in another is like swimming upstream. If you need to spend an entire afternoon, a day writing this all out, then do that. You know, just do that. Um, also, you're going to have to engage in productive energy management. Uh, I don't think it's possible to stop doing these escape mechanisms without really filling the space that's going to be unattended and without filling it productively. Depending on your level of escapism, you will have massive chunks of time and life energy that were dedicated towards these things. So like I said before, I used to be a massive gamer and this took up large amounts of my free time. And at first they were a pleasurable distraction, but then they became crutches that I used to kill time and they became crutches that I used to allay uh, anxiety in terms of my life path, in terms of what I uh, was thinking about of where my life is going because I didn't have any clarity. So slowly but surely, I started adding different self-development activity, activities that would fill up the space in that time uh, that I used to play video games. So I created the underlying infrastructure uh, for my life rather than just creating something that would create more stagnancy and possibly lead to an addiction. Uh, of course, you're going to want to segment this into phases. You just don't have the emotional infrastructure to immediately start meditating for good amounts of time, to start reading, start working long hours, building a business. You want structured, systematic growth. As you leave some of these old things behind and become fine with more of this empty space, then you can start adding things as you see fit. And, you know, that's the essence of self-improvement doing things you've never done before and getting rid of old beliefs that no longer serve you. And that's what I want for you. I want everyone to fix the problems in their lives because if everyone was happy with themselves and fixed the problems with their lives and was, you know, concerned with their well-being, the well-being of others, um, our world would be a much better place. But something like this takes courage and it takes the willingness to stand and face the real problems in your life and it takes the courage to say, you know what, I'm tired of living like this. I'm tired of spinning around in circles and never feeling any true fulfillment. I'm tired of being pushed around by stimulation and triggers. I'm tired of feeling this fear. I'm tired of feeling this negativity. So when you say that and when you get on congruence with that mentally, physically, emotionally, and spiritually, that's day one. And that's 
where everyone starts. So that is it for this one. Resources of the things I mentioned will be in the notes. And I hope this was beneficial to you. And I hope this gave you some things to think about. And if you need to, don't hesitate to come back to this one and listen to it again. So that's it for this one. And I'll see you in the next one. And until next time, stay vigilant.